Well, there are some things in life that you have to unlearn. And one of those things you have to unlearn is fashion. And if you know what I'm talking about, think about your childhood. Think about the clothes that you wore, the trends that were in. For me, it was cargo pants. It was graphic tees. It was Converse. The side part, that wasn't like a side part here, but like here on the other side of your head. This was a trend. It was really popular. It's what everybody wore for years. This was just the thing to do in elementary school and middle school. Uh, but the good thing is that it's easy to unlearn trends, right? Fashion trends. It's just clothes. It's just styles. So you can easily change your wardrobe, change your hair part to the middle, as we all have middle parts almost, <laughs> a good majority of the room. Um, thankfully, you can change that, right? But it's a lot harder to unlearn things that are characteristics of yours, right? So maybe certain behaviors or actions that you've picked up growing up, right? Certain models that you followed. It's hard to unlearn those things because it becomes a part of who you are, right? The person that you become, how do you stop that? How do you unlearn that kind of behavior? And there's one thing that girls are taught today in our society. It starts all the way from Disney movies. When you're a kid listening to these Disney movies, it's that you need to be, as a woman, a independent, strong woman who leads her own charge, right? Who's free from all authority, who doesn't listen to anyone, but you get, to, you, you get to do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it. We hear these kind of teachings. We hear these kind of things. And for many of us, we believe them. They, they're, they're, they're great teachings that, that sound good and that should work. And so I listen to those things. But for some of you guys, you've heard those things. You've heard these teachings and you think, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not. That's crazy. That's what the world does. But this kind of liberating mentality impacts us all in some sort of way. We all can get impacted by this and buy into this bad advice. And the problem is that this advice, even though it sounds good, it's really going to be to your detriment. If you are to be this independent person who gets to decide whatever you want to do in life and go beyond whatever your realm is or your role is that God has designed for you, it's going to lead to a lot of problems. And so we have to be guarded. We have to look at what the Bible says for our roles as women, right? God has designed us for a purpose. God has made us for a specific role that we want to fulfill. We want to know how to best glorify him as women in society. How do we do that? Well, for one, women, we just struggle. And it's good for us to admit even tonight that we have authority issues. We have issues with authority. It is a hot topic. I mean, turn on your social media. Read the latest blogs. People don't like to listen to authority. And likely, you don't like to listen to authority too. And so ultimately, we got to recognize the correlation that this leads in in bigger ways than just simply listening to authority figures, right? We understand that if we don't listen to authority, ultimately, it's going to impact our relationship with God. If we don't simply start with the most foundational truths of God being our supreme authority, God being the leader, God appointing people for us to listen to, 
it's going to affect our Christian life, right? The Christian life is a life of submission. It's a life that's devoted to God, allegiant to God. I do what God wants me to do. And so for us tonight, it's critical for us to unlearn this message of liberation and to embrace God's design for women. How should we live? How does God want us to live? What's the best way for me to embrace God's roles that he's designed for me? Scripture tells us. And so this is a very topical sermon, but I want to start with the most foundational truths, as I already alluded to, and that's God, right? So we recognize that in Genesis 1-1, from the very beginning, first verse in the Bible, that God is the creator, right? He's the supreme authority, and that's where all authority stems from. And so for point number one, write it down this way, we need to understand God's structure of authority, understand God's structure of authority. We struggle with this. This is hard. Why should we listen? Well, because God made authority. Ultimately, God is the supreme authority over all of us. And everything that he made is for him, is what scripture says. In Colossians 1, 16 through 17, Colossians 1, 16 through 17, it says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And so it starts with God. He made us. God is an authoritative God is what scripture says. And he's not just a God that tells us what to do and he doesn't care about us and he's not involved in our lives. God is a loving, good, holy, perfect God that's an authority over us. He's the one who calls the shots. He is sovereign over everything in creation. Everything that happens, it's all under his Um, dominion, ultimately his dominion. And so because it all starts with God and he's our creator, we have to listen to what he tells us to do, right? God is our creator. And so we owe him our submission, right? We got to listen to God. We got to listen to what he wants us to do. That's the best thing for us. In Psalm 24, 1, Psalm 24, 1, it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So submitting to God, this this perfect God, this eternal God, this wise God, it's actually a good thing. It's a really good thing to be near God is what the scripture says. It's a good thing to follow God's design. And it makes sense because it's his blueprints. He's the one who mapped out what's best for us and how we can live in right relationship with him. That's the best thing for us to do. And so we got to listen to God's authority. He's the first one that we submit to. Our, our full allegiance goes to him. Um, but God also appoints people in authority too. So we have God's authority that's central to our lives. That's the, that's the supreme authority. And then God, in his authority, appoints other people to authority positions. And we see this all throughout society. It started in the garden uh, in Genesis 1, 26. In Genesis 1, 26, we see that God designed humans to have dominion, to have authority over creation right? So God put Adam in the garden to work and to keep the garden. He had this role to manage, to take care of God's creation. There was an authority figure that people aren't the same as fish or birds or horses, but no, people have authority over this creation. We got to take care of God's creation. That was his role in the garden. 
Another authority position that we see is parents over kids. We know that this is God's design for the families, that parents have authorities over their kids. In Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. God designed families, the the structure of a family, to be a good, flourishing thing. He designed parents to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to protect their children from harm, from any trouble in society. He designed them to raise their children to be good citizens of society. This is a good structure that God made. It is a good thing, and and we need to thank him for that. Another authority position that God makes is government over citizens, government over citizens. So we see that in our nations today, in our presidents, in law enforcement. We have these authority figures to protect society. And Romans 13 tells us what our role is as citizens. Romans 13, 1 through 2. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So God made these authorities with a specific purpose, right? They can't just lead however they want to lead, but they have roles too. They have guidelines too from Scripture. We see it all throughout. But their primary role is to preserve order in our society, right? To protect us from wrongdoers, to punish the people who act bad in our society, who cause harm on people in society. We have good things in, in, in structure by God's design, by God's grace. This authority is a good thing that God made. Another authority stru- structure is God appointed pastors over churches, over the flock. We see that all throughout scripture, commandments on how pastors ought to um, lead their churches, specifically 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. This passage tells us that pastors are called to lead their congregation, to equip them with the knowledge of the Lord, and to protect God's people from bad truths, from false teaching, Right? God made this structure, and if we didn't have their authority, who would teach us? Who would protect us? Who would do those things? This is all part of God's framework for society, and it's a good thing. We need it, ultimately. And lastly, one of the most popular, and probably you already think of, (laughs) uh, structures that God made is within a loving relationship between a man and a woman, and that's in marriage. We see that God appoints men to be authority over wives in marriage. That's another authority structure that God puts in place, that he puts the husband over the wife in marriage. The, The husband is to lead his wife, and the wife is to follow her husband's leadership. When a man and a woman get married, there are distinct roles that God designs for them to fulfill. There's not two leaders in the relationship. It's not nobody leading the relationship. It's one leader. It's, it's one person that's leading this charge. And God chose men to be that leader. We see that in Genesis 2, in the beginning of creation of man and woman, the first marriage in the Garden of Eden, that God designed this perfect relationship between a man and a woman to function in this kind of way. And Ephesians 5.22 gives us more instructions on what that looks like as wives. Ephesians 5.22 through 24 says, 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And I don't know if you caught that, but this is all a picture. The source of this authority in marriage is not just because God said so, but it stems from Christ and the church. That's the example that marriage comes from, is that a man and a woman's relationship, their roles in marriage, is supposed to represent Christ and the church's relationship, right? Christ leads the church. He is the head of the church, and the church submits to Christ. That's the same role for women in marriage. They submit to their husbands, and these are good roles. And For a young woman who wants to get married one day, this is important to understand now in high school. If you want to get married, you don't want to go into this blindly, just thinking, I get to be married however I want to be married or fulfill whatever role I want to fulfill. No, let's look at God's design and see how does he expect me to live. He expects me to function according to his design, his purpose. And so we got to understand this. But if we're being totally honest, we recognize that this specific realm gets the most flack. When it comes to authority in marriage and women submitting to their husbands, society hates that. Culture hates that and totally opposes that. We have a way easier time understanding structures like government or parents with kids. You understand that you have to pay taxes one day. You just have to pay taxes. We all do. When you're working a job, it's how it works, right? You understand that you have to listen to your parents. You have to submit to their authority. You get that. That's like foundational. It's totally good. But submitting to my husband one day, I don't know about that. That's something that's just way countercultural, right? It's controversial. But because it's so controversial, I really want to spend time unpacking this because I think submission is often something that is misunderstood. And there's a lot of lies that even women like us can fall into. We can believe these lies about what submission is or isn't. And so for point number two, let's unpack that. We want to debunk the lies of submission. Debunk the lies about submission. Because for some of us, when we hear the word submission, we get chills, right? We're like, oh, no, don't talk about that. That's, that's, it's a bad word. We don't want to address that. Does Scripture really say that? Yes, it does. But we want to understand what it actually says about this role for women, um, this role that many of us will enter one day. Um, and just to start, I think it's important for us to get a clear definition of what submission is. So as a definition, submission is to yield or surrender to the will of another. To yield or surrender to the will of another person. Right? And this isn't just like a mental assent. You agree, but you do something else. Right? This involves action too. It's following somebody's leadership. And we see this best demonstrated in the perfect relationship between Jesus the Son and God the Father. We see this in the Gospels. In Luke 22, 41 to 42. Luke 22, 41 to 42. It's Jesus. He says... Um, He was withdrawing to go pray to the Father, and he says to the Father, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
Think about that. This is Jesus, the perfect eternal God-man that's submitting to the Father's will for him to go to the cross, for him to die for our sins. He says, I really don't want to do this. This is hard, but not my will, but yours be done. That's submission. That is central to Christianity. And it's even shown, demonstrated in the Godhead, in the relationship between the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was willing to lay aside his desires and do what God wanted him to do. He humbly accepted the Father's will for him. And he knew that it was the best thing because that's what fulfilled our, 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 our salvation, right? He was the one who redeemed us and, and gave us a chance to even be right with him. And in marriage, this is deeply important to understand. This is super important to understand that a husband and a wife, they're united. They are a team. They are together. But like every good team, there's a leader, right? There's somebody coaching. There's somebody who's calling the shots, who's making the decisions. And that is the husband. That's what God's word says. And it's not the wife who leads. It is the husband. But there's a lot of lies about submission, like I said. There's a lot of lies out there that maybe you've believed. And so we want to address some of those together. So one of the lies that you might believe about submission or society tells us is that submission means that women are less than men. Submission means that women are less than men. And I'm just going to tell you straightforward, that's not true. No, Scripture says the opposite. Scripture tells us that God makes men and women with equal value. But we have distinct roles. We have specific roles that he expects us to fulfill. But it doesn't make one less valuable than the other. We are just as valuable to God um, as each other. Super important. And 1 Corinthians 11.3 is the text I want you guys to write down for that. 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. And so we see in this verse that Christ submits to the Father. He says that he is the head, that God is the head, and he submits to it. And Jesus is as equal to God the Father as he is as God the Son, right? We understand that if Jesus were less than God, then it wouldn't be the Trinity. We wouldn't have the Trinity. He wouldn't be God. And so that's heresy, right? Jesus is equal to the Father, um, but he submits, right? He takes on this role of humility. We see that in Scripture. And so submission does not mean that you are less valuable than a man. But God's assignment for you and a man is just different. You guys just have different roles that God expects of you too. Another lie that women believe about submission is that submission is only a result of sin. Submission is only a result of sin. Because we live in this cursed society, because sin has entered the world, we have to submit. We have to listen. We have to follow this authority. And that's not true. If you know your numbers, you know that Genesis 2 comes before Genesis 3. And what happens in Genesis 3, right? The fall. We see the curse, sin, enter the world. But when God makes marriage, he makes it the chapter before. And so in Genesis 2.18, write that down, that verse, Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. That's Genesis 2.18. So God's role for the wife was designed before sin even entered the world. Sin wasn't even in the picture. Think about that. This was when the world was perfect, perfect relationships with each other. No sin, no problems, no trials, none of that. And God's design was that men would lead and women would submit. 
that just tells you that that's his perfect design. That's what is best for marriage, best for the society. In a perfect world, that involves it too. Super important. Another lie that women believe about submission is that I only have to submit if my authority is godly. I only have to submit if my authority is godly. And we know that in scripture, that's just not true. There are all sorts of different ways that God expects us to listen to authority figures, even if they're not perfect, even if they are not totally godly. In 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2, Peter talking to the wives, he says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Think about that. These Christian women who were living faithful, submitting lives to God the Father ultimately, their full allegiance to God, and they honored their husbands. They followed their husband's leadership. Some of those women won their husbands to Christ. They got saved because the women had that example. They fulfilled that role. They had that pure conduct, that good um, character, and that led many of them to Christ. That's huge, super important. And also 1 Peter 2, 13 through 18, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 18, we see that all Christians, all people, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a male or a female, God expects us to submit to our authorities, our bosses, our teachers, our coaches, the people that are in leadership over you. God expects you to treat them with honor, treat them with respect. And so whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're a husband or a wife, God expects you to Obey your leaders. Obey those who are in authority over you. It's not just the women. Another lie that women believe about submission is that submission means women are just a doormat. You've probably heard that. Submission means that women are just a doormat. They just get stepped on all over and trampled on, and what a horrible role it is. Sad, but it's not true. Scripture would say the opposite. In Ephesians 5.25, Ephesians 5.25, it says to the husbands, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The husband's role, he is called by God to love his wife and to sacrifice for her like Christ sacrificed for the church. And if you think about that, you realize that what did Christ do to sacrifice for the church? He died. He died for his people. That means that the husband's role is to lay down his life for his wife, right? To love his wife, to care for her in a tender way. That's a high calling. That's a high bar. Husbands don't just get to treat them, their wives however they want to be treated, right? God expects them to love and lay down their life for their wife. In 1 Peter 3, 7, 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands are called to show their wives honor, to live with their lives in an understanding way, is what the text says. And it goes on, it says, so that their prayers may not be hindered. So God's word says to the husbands that if you don't live with your life, your wife in an understanding way, treating her with honor and respect, I'm not going to answer your prayers. Like, whoa, talk about a threat. That's huge. That is a high calling for these men. But God expects that of them, right? He expects men to treat women differently than men. He expects them to show women honor in a different way than, than other relationships, right? This is a high calling. Women are not a doormat. Scripture would say the opposite. Another lie that women believe is that it would be better if I led the relationship, 
It would be better if I led the relationship. If he's not leading, if I could just take the role, or I'm better taking charge, I'm more strong-willed or bold taking on this role, our relationship would be better. Scripture would say the opposite. In Titus 2, 3 through 5, Titus 2, 3 through 5, this is the older women talking to the young, younger women in the church, telling them how to live Christian lives as women, as, as, as wives and, and mothers. It says that they are to teach what is good, these older women to the younger women. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. That's a huge command for women, right? It says that God's role for women in marriage is to submit. It's not that you're submitting to every single man, but you're choosing this person that you're submitting to in your marriage. You choose the guy that you're going to marry, right? It's not, it's not structured the way that it was back in Bible times or back in medieval times, right? You choose to follow this man, and God expects you to submit. And when you don't submit, I don't know if you caught that at the end there, it says the word of God is reviled. If you look up the word reviled in your Bible, you'll see it translates to blasphemed. That means that Scripture is blasphemed when you don't submit, when you choose to live in opposition, to lead my own charge, to be independent. Scripture is reviled. That is huge. We got to trust and believe that God's design is better. God's design for marriage is better. We got to trust it and, and embrace that. But of course, living in a fallen world, there are exceptions to this rule. There are exceptions to submission. And God addresses those because he recognizes that we do live in a sinful society, and people are sinful too. So there are extreme cases where submission is not to be done, right? Not to be had in a marriage. And for one, that's when your submission leads to sin. If your submission leads to sin, right? An authority figure, not just a husband, it could even be an authority figure, tells you that you need to sin then you should not submit. Scripture would say that your allegiance to God supersedes that authority figure, right? First and foremost, your devotion is to God. So you can't submit. You can't listen. You think of Daniel in the Old Testament, right? How his government, how King Nebuchadnezzar was saying, you got to bow down to me and worship me as God. Daniel had to say, no, my allegiance is to God. I'm going to follow God instead. So he didn't submit. And so we shouldn't either when it comes to our authority figures telling us to sin. We can't. Our allegiances to God. Another thing is not you should not submit if it's leading to harm, leading to harm. And this is really good. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see all these different laws God had for the Israelites to protect women and children specifically from this kind of harm. And even in our society today, we see that there are laws and structures in place to protect women and families. God doesn't want harm in families. God doesn't want this for your marriage. This isn't his design. It's not for harm. But what is his design? What is his design for us in marriage? Well, it's for husbands to take the role of leadership and for women to follow that. And for you, you might be thinking, okay, got it. You said that, done. <laughs> but I'm in high school. Like, how am I going to apply this now? How does this make any sense for me to get now? Well, you can get ready now. And that is by practicing submitting to your authorities today. If you want to prepare for the future for a marriage one day, then you got to prepare by submitting to your authorities now. That's point number three. Practice submitting to your authorities today. And we could have started here with point number one, but that foundation is so important to understand 
why God made authority, how he's authority, who he appoints, and we got to obey that, right? We want to embrace that and, and obey God's design for men and women. And there is a direct correlation between how you treat authority and how you'll treat your future husband one day. Don't think that when you get married, you'll just, a flip will be switched and you'll listen to your husband. You won't. If you're so used to defying leadership or authority, how do you expect to submit to your husband one day? And ultimately, even in the bigger picture, if you have a hard time submitting to your earthly authorities now, how do you expect to submit to God, right? God commands us to lay down our lives for him, to take up our cross daily and follow him. You're not going to submit to him if you're not even going to submit to the small authorities that God has placed in your life. And so that's the supreme thing. That's the most important thing. We got to humble ourselves. We got to recognize that I got to get this right today. This matters for my character in the future and even future marriages, God willing. And so how do you expect, respect those authorities? Who are your authorities? Who are the people that God has placed over you? Well, one authority that you all have is parents. Parents is, are your authority, your earthly authority. God has sovereignly placed your, your father and your mother over you, right? He's given you um, a, a home where they tell you what to do. They tell you how to um, <laughs> clean up the dishes, even the practical things, right? Um, and so it's important for us to recognize, okay, how can I best submit to my parents, right? Well, how does God want you to do that? Some suggestions that I thought of was giving them honor when they speak. Think about when your parents are talking to you. How oftentimes we don't even look our parents in the eye. We don't give them our full attention. We show them dishonor by busying ourselves with other things, not really listening to them, forgetting what they even said because we were occupied. We got to show our parents honor because God placed them there as that authority. Another thing is just obeying their instructions, right? Simple. I know that's so foundational, but so important. When they tell you to do something, doing it right away, right? I tell my kids that now, and I hope that they do in the future, right? Do it right away with a happy heart, right? That obedience, truly taking them at their word and, and, and honoring them in that um, as a daughter, super important. Um, thinking, talking well of them. How do you talk about your parents? How do you speak about your parents? If you were to rewound the tape of last week and how you talked to your parents, would you be disappointed? Would you be embarrassed or shameful of how you talked about your parents to your friends, to your um, friends at school? Or would you be thankful? Would you be thankful that God um, allowed you to have a good week? <laughs> it's important. Does your attitude and your action show one of humility and submission or pride? Choosing to do what you want to do, not listening. Things will go well for you if you simply just obey. Scripture tells us that. That was the first command with a promise in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. God tells us that. If you obey your parents, things will just go well for you. And that truth is still as true today as it was in the Old Testament. So that's one, one area. Another area that we need to submit to is our pastors. God expects us to submit to our pastors, this authority that he's placed in our life. And what does that look like? That's like, how does that even apply? <laughs> well, think about sermons on the weekends, right? One way that you can submit to their leadership, show them honor, is by listening to the sermons and applying them. Actually applying God's word, being doers of the word and not hearers only. 
Think about that. Two weeks ago, Pastor John talked about fasting on the weekend. How many of you guys fasted? How many of you guys actually did that? Pastor Roy talked last weekend about hypocrisy, how we oftentimes say one thing but live a different way. What did you do about that sermon? How did you apply God's word? Our pastors are here to help train us to be obedient to God, to live the way that God wants us to live. So one way that we can submit to that authority is by obeying God's word. That would be the best thing for you. Do that. Another thing is listening to their counsel listening to their counsel. So oftentimes this can be a pastor or even your small group leader that they tell you to do this Bible verse. They tell you to live this truth and you take it like a suggestion. You're like, thanks for that. Cool. I'm going to do my own thing. That's not submission. That's not humility. That's pride. And so it's important for us to listen to wise counsel and to do it when it uh, uh, is in accordance with what scripture says. Um, we got to do it. We got to apply those things. They want to help us apply the Bible. So let's be sure to do it. Um, another authority is teachers and kind of squished in this realm of teachers. I also included bosses and coaches and all those authority figures that you have over you, right? Cause it's not just teachers. It's not just at school, but your teachers, that is a realm that God expects you to show authority to show, show, um, respect to, to that authority. So how does God want you to submit to your teachers this week? Well, showing them respect when they're teaching in class right? Showing them your boss respect when he's talking to you at work, right? Listening to his instruction. Um, another thing is completing your assignments on time. I know we throw around procrastination like it's no big deal, but actually doing what they told us to do, actually completing the homework like they told us to. Another thing is not arguing or fighting back. We're so quick to be defensive and fight back, but we got to listen. We got to show humility and willingly do what they tell us to do. God cares about how you respect your earthly authorities. And the reality is that authority does not go away after you graduate or you get married. It just changes, right? You may be graduating from the home. You might be graduating to this new role as a wife, but your authority still exists. You still have authority in your life. And so it's important to get this now. The best thing for you to do as a high school girl is to be humble and obey the people that God has placed in your life. From this comes blessing, God's reward. God will reward you. Your life will be way less complicated if you just listen. If you just listen to the godly people, the, the authority figures that God has placed in your life. And trust me, you will thank your future self if you get this today. As a wife, I can tell you myself, there's so many things that I wish, oh man, if I'd nailed that in high school, that would have been a game changer. And this is one, this is so important and foundational to marriage and to adulting <laughs> and to the future. And so I want to help you uh, by embracing these roles today. I want to help you by avoiding all the pains and problems that could come with living an insubordinate life. Just submit, just be willing to obey because it's best for you and it's God's design for you as a woman. And so there is so much that we didn't get to talk about, but for the time being, um, we have small groups to follow. And so I'm gonna pray for us and we'll close in small groups to discuss these questions together. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for your word and even your structure, God. We thank you so much that you give us order in society and roles to fulfill, that we don't have to 
guess and wonder at what you want us to do with our lives, but you tell us in your word. And so, God, I just pray that you would help us to be teachable, help us to get this now, that you would allow us to be humble and um, good followers of you ultimately, and um, that you would just show us the areas that we need to to change the ways that we need to step up and follow the lead of people above us, God. We just thank you so much for this time together and pray that your name would be honored in our conversations now. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.